Good morning and welcome to all of you as we come together to worship God. If you're visiting with us, we're awfully glad to have you here and want you to come back and worship with us as often as you can in the future. You're always welcome here. A couple of announcements to call to your attention. Um, registration is still underway for Saddle Ridge Ranch Vacation Bible School coming up June 6 to 10 in the evenings from 6 to 745. <clears throat> uh, please stop by the registration table uh, in the back sometime or see Katie Jeter anytime between now and May 30th to register your child. Also, we need your help for Bible school if you have any small toy hammers. Uh, at your house that we could borrow during the week of Bible school, please let Katie know. And also, we have a need for some uh, substitute teachers for Sunday school for children during the summer, um, people taking vacations and whatnot. There are sign-up sheets outside the classrooms, or you can talk with Katie Jeter to volunteer to help us with that. Uh, in the way of our folks who've been in the hospital, uh, Don Watson is back in the Spartanburg Hospital. That's Priscilla's uh, husband. Um, and also Wayne Reeve, who is a new member here, had uh, knee replacement surgery this week and is doing very well. He'll be back to wrestling in no time. Uh, you know, he was a, a great wrestler in his earlier years. So we uh, are teasing him about getting back in the back on the mat as soon as he gets his other knee fixed in the days to come. Uh, we have a lot going on today and hope that you read about your, um, all the announcements in your bulletin and we'll have some special recognitions during our service today. But So let us begin our time together in worship.
Let us affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed found on page 881 in your hymnal. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of life, and life everlasting. Amen. Be seated, please. I overlooked something earlier, and that is that Keith Clark has an announcement to make from the Staff Parish Relations Committee. This morning, we want to offer a statement of congratulations as well as a statement of thanks. In the fall of 2008, SPRC and our church through the Charge Conference endorsed Andy Watson as a candidate for ordained ministry. After accomplishing requirements of ministry defined in our Methodist discipline, Andy has received a part-time appointment at Slater United Methodist Church, which is a small 30-member church in Traveler's Rest. Please congratulate Andy on this momentous occasion. <laughs> Due to his desire and commitment in leading our youth ministry program here at Memorial, we want to thank Andy and our district superintendent for working together on an appointment that allows him to continue that leadership. SPRC, Arthur and Andy, have had several discussions to understand where schedule overlap would impact current programs, and we found none. SPRC is excited that for the foreseeable future, Andy will remain here at Memorial as our youth minister. Thank you. And you also don't know that there's an awful lot Andy does for us as a volunteer, non-paid, one of which is our lead musician. Um, at our early service. Uh, that's not an employment issue. That is a volunteer issue. So we're delighted that he's going to be able to continue with that as well as uh, share the good news with those folks up in Slater. Now, at this time, we will resume action here and invite Katie Jeter to come and all the children to come as we share some time together for children's moments. Good morning. 
How's everybody doing this morning? I want to read you a Bible verse, and then I'm going to show you some things I brought with me this morning. Our Bible verse comes from 2 Timothy chapter 3, and it's verse 16. And it yeah, says, I have, We got a bunch of chapter books, and we read it. That is great. Well, we're going to read one verse this morning, and you may have read it. In, well, you may have read this in one of your books before. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. And what all those big words mean is that the Bible is our guide. So I couldn't bring my whole toolbox with me this morning because it's real big, but I brought a tool basket. And I want to show you a few of the things in it, and I'm going to let y'all help me hold them up. This passage tells us something really important about the Bible. God's Word helps us in many parts of our lives. So I brought a few things, and we're going to talk about how these things out of my big toolbox help us in our life. What's this first thing? You want to hold it up for me? It's a hammer. When your mom or dad pounds a nail into the wall at home with a hammer like that, how many times... Oh, goodness. Well, when he's bouncing it on the floor, how many times do you have to hit that nail to make it go all the way in? Do they have to hit 20 times? So a bunch of times. It's really hard to get nails into wood sometimes, isn't it? And you have to hit it over and over. Well, as Christians, we can't learn everything about God by reading the Bible just one time. We have to read it over and over, right, before we can understand it sometimes. Okay, next. What's this? A screwdriver. What do you do with a screwdriver? And what, what is this motion called? You're turning it, right? You stuff in the nails. Exactly. You screw the nails in by turning it. And the screwdriver reminds us to turn to God when we're having a problem. When you turn the screwdriver, the screw goes deeper and deeper in, right? Well, when we turn to God, we grow deeper in our love for him. Okay, this is next. What is this? A tape measure, or a measuring tape, right. Well, when you're building something, it's really important to use one of these. Why? You need to see how long it is, and you want it to be what? Really straight. Isn't that a pretty straight line? You want it to be really straight, because what if you were building a house and you never used a tape measure? Would a crooked house do you much good? It wouldn't stand up for long, would it? Well, the Bible is sort of like a tape measure, too, because we can use it to measure our actions and our words and make sure they line up the way God wants us to live. And when you read God's Word, you'll learn the things that He wants you to do and say. Okay, this one's next. Pliers. That's right, Eli. What do we use pliers for? To ply stuff. To ply stuff, yeah. Well, they actually help us get a good grip on things when our hands aren't the right size. You can put these, this tool, the plier, on whatever you're trying to hold, and it'll hold it for you. Pliers help us get a good grip on things when our hands just aren't strong enough, like the Bible helps us hold on to God. By reading the Bible, we discover more about who God is and how much he loves us and the way he wants us to live. Now, this last thing is kind of tricky, but we're going to pretend this morning that this is a chisel. Have you ever heard of a chisel? 
Well, a chisel is used to chip off like extra rock or extra concrete from something that you don't need. So you kind of beat down on it and it gets rid of all the extra stuff and gets down to what you really need. So, yeah, people use it on a sidewalk, that's right. Well, some artists use special chisels to carve beautiful statues. So they'll chisel away at like wood or stone and it shapes it into something they want it to be. Um, it makes it something new and beautiful. Well, when we read the Bible, sometimes we discover that we have extra things in our lives. Maybe anger or jealousy or pride. And when we read the Bible, it shows us how we can chisel those bad things away that we don't need in our life to create a beautiful person that's more like Christ. So it's important to have a toolbox like this to build and fix things up, right? Because those tools do a lot of good for us. But it's also important to have this toolbox. What is this? Right, and that's a good toolbox because it can do all those things we've talked about this morning and help us to be more like Christ. Is that a You did. That was a really good thing to do. And the Bible can teach us how to do more good things just like that. God gave us a really special toolbox when he gave us this Bible. So let's pray this morning and thank him for that. Well, that's okay. That's okay. Let's pray. Okay, let's pray with me this morning, okay? Dear God, thank you for the Bible. Thank you that we can study it and learn how to live. Thank you for this wonderful tool that helps us grow closer to you. Amen. that time of year where we recognize the work that our seniors have put in um, to graduating both high school and college and um, we want to recognize all that they've done and uh, give them a little gift this morning uh, and uh, some of them are not here but some of them are here so if, if you are here when I call your name if you please come up and uh, so we can all give you a round of applause and Tell you we're very proud of, of the work that you've done and that we hope you use it in your college education or out in the career world and, and come back here and bless Memorial with the gifts and talents that you have as a part of this congregation. John Alexander is um, graduating from Greer High School and will be going to Clemson University. Danielle Edwards, who is actually not a member of Memorial, but has been involved in our youth program since sixth grade when Alora Dittmar brought her, um, is graduating from Greer High School as well and going to the College of Charleston, where, if I'm not mistaken, 
she will be rooming with Emily Griffin. Is that right, Emily? Yeah, who is graduating from Greer High School and um, will be going to the College of Charleston as, as well. Emily, if you'd come up. Also graduating from high school, um, Greer High School, is Alora Dittmar, and she will join a very prestigious club, as I said in the early service, and will be going to Walford College in the fall. <laughs> Savannah Miller is graduating from Blue Ridge High School and she will be going to Clemson University in the fall as well. And many of you know, or at least heard and seen Ross Redman, um, who uh, has been active in our youth program for, for a number of years now and has an incredible artistic uh, talent and gift. And um, he has been awarded a full scholarship to a very prestigious art institute in, in Kansas City, Kansas. And so he will be going there in the fall to pursue that and to strengthen that gift as well. And those are our high school graduates. Um, our college graduates are Sally Dobson, and she is graduating from the College of Charleston uh, with a uh, graduate's degree um, from the graduate school down there. And Brian Henson is graduating from Mars Hill. And Tricia Dobson is graduating from, or, or has graduated from USC Upstate. Um, we're very proud of all the work that our high school and college uh, students put into their education, knowing that it's a very important part of the rest of their lives. And uh, as I said earlier, we're very proud of you and hope that uh, God blesses you on your journey and that you uh, uh, always remember the, the Methodist roots that you came from and, and return to us and, and bless us with the gifts that you've been given and acquired through your education. Thank you. Some of the families have educated all of their children now through college and are singing Happy Days Are Here Again. I think I heard that coming from the Henson pew back over here. So <laughs> we do celebrate these wonderful moments in, uh, in your lives, young people. Our scripture reading first lesson today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 6, and then 14 through 21. <clears throat> When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were, staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard them speaking in his own language. Then Peter stood up with the eleven and raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. 
No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Here ends the lesson. Today we are baptizing from some folks and welcoming them as well into our church family. Although they have been a part of us unofficially for a long time. Uh, Scott and Ann Culberson and their children, Emma and Sarah, will come now to be presented. And, and uh, we will also celebrate baptism for uh, Emma and Ann at this time. If I can yes, have a mic. Um, these folks are neighbors of, of ours, uh, live near the parsonage, and uh, it's been fun to watch these little girls grow. Uh, Emma was uh, literally in diapers when they started coming here. Now, this young lady, Emma, speaks English and French already. Um, I speak English and redneck. That's about as far as I've gotten. And uh, her mother, of course, is a teacher out at uh, Furman, speaks uh, three languages. And Scott speaks two, two and a half languages. And this is my buddy right here. Sarah is my buddy. Um, she is a gifted young lady. I think she never meets a stranger. Saw these folks out the other night with their grandparents at, uh, at a local restaurant. And I said, you young ladies look adorable. And Sarah said, and you look handsome, too. <laughs> Some people just come gifted in life, and I, I, uh, I appreciate all good compliments like that. <laughs> so we're delighted to have these folks joining us. I want to ask you to turn to page 38 in your hymnal for a response that you will be asked to make in a few moments. <clears throat> Brothers and sisters in Christ, through the sacrament of baptism, we are initiated into Christ's holy church. We are incorporated into God's mighty acts of salvation and given new birth through water and the spirit. All of this is God's gift offered to us without price. Therefore, I ask you all, do you confess Jesus Christ as your savior and put your whole trust in his grace and promise to serve him as your Lord and union with the church? which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races. If so, will you say, I do? And will you adults nurture these children in Christ's holy church that by your teaching and example, they may be guided to accept God's grace for themselves and to profess their faith openly and to lead a Christian life? If so, would you say, we will? Okay. Let's see, Emma, why don't you come and kneel? 
here. Can you do that? And Anne beside her. And y'all can stand behind. That'd be good. Will we ask you, will you be loyal to the United Methodist Church and do all in your power to strengthen its ministries? If so, will you say, I will? Okay. Uh, Scott is transferring from a, one of our uh, other denominations, and we're glad to, I believe that's right, welcome you from the Presbyterian fold, I believe. Uh, members of the household of faith, I commend to your care these persons. Do all in your power to increase their faith, to confirm their hope, and perfect them in love. Would you respond there? We give thanks for all that God has already given you, and we welcome you in Christian love. As members together with you in the body of Christ and in this congregation of the United Methodist Church, we renew our covenant faithfully to participate in the ministries of the church by our prayers, our presence, our gifts, and our service, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. The God of all grace who has called us to eternal glory in Christ, establish you and strengthen you by the power of the Holy Spirit that you may live in grace and peace. Amen. Here you go, this is a certificate. And I heard Sarah said, me next time. Look at those lips poked up. No, okay. <laughs> You're welcome. We welcome you into our fellowship. Here now our epistle reading from Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 17. Those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons and daughters of God, for you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship and daughtership. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are his children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. Here ends the lesson.
Let us join our hearts together in prayer. <clears throat> Lord, this seems to be a, a day of celebrating transitions as some folks are moving from high school to college and others from college into the workforce. We remember these in their times of change and transition pray your blessings to be with them, your strengthening hand to be upon them. And we're thankful, too, for the times of transition when a person receives baptism and is greeted in a new way as a member of this family. And we pray for those who are transitioning as they grow in discipleship 
and faith. Lord, we are truly amazed at your great love for us. And yet who, we who are parents understand this much. We always want to be with our children. Even if they are far away from us geographically, our heart always is near our children. So it must be that you feel that same way for us because you always want to be with us. And by your spirit, you have come to make your home in our hearts. You are always close to us. We always have your nearness with us. And we have the assurance from that same spirit that when life ends for us here on earth, there is another way that we will be close to you and in your presence forevermore. And that is because you will take us to your heavenly home where we might live in your presence. How indeed you must love us, Lord, as the best of earthly parents adore their children. And we are thankful for this. We're thankful that you revealed yourself to us as the creator of all that is. We are grateful that you came for us in Christ Jesus to redeem us when we got lost. And we are especially thankful this day for the gift of your Holy Spirit that has come to live in us, to remind us of Jesus and to empower us to live the Christian faith, to strengthen us day by day that we might truly be the followers of Christ in our world. Lord, we are mindful of our neighbors and friends who are in times of difficulty and stress who look to us for strength and guidance and look to you for healing and wholeness and to answer prayers that they're offering to you. We join our hearts to their hearts and bring their concerns before your throne of grace, praying that you would heal those that are sick Comforting, comfort those that are mourning and provide for those who are seeking to find work in our community. And most of all, Lord, we pray that those who are wandering about, uncertain of your presence in their lives, might this day find your love and your care in a new and special way. We pray this in Jesus' name who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Now let us worship God by giving.
<clears throat> From time to time, I brag on our staff to the Staff Parish Committee, saying that our staff works under tremendous stress and hardship, and they say, we know they work with you, Arthur. But there are other things that happen along the way, and our, my, our thoughts today are with our organist, um, Ann Mayfield, back here. Ann's uh, nephew was in a very bad boating accident yesterday, and I think Ann is operating on no sleep back here behind me, um, and will soon be going up to Asheville to check on uh, her sister and, and the young man who was in the wreck, and we trust Good results and good word in the days to come, Anne, as we remember you in our prayers. Um, hear now the gospel reading from John chapter 14, verses 8 through 17, and then 25 through 27. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you sh say, show me the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are not just my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the miracles themselves. I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. If you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you, and he will be in you. All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Counselor of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. You heard me say, I'm going away and I'm coming back to you. If you loved me, you would be glad that I'm going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. Here ends the lesson. I have always felt that we modern Christians have a kinship with the disciples that Paul found at Ephesus. When he asked them about their faith experience, specifically if they had received Christian baptism, complete with the giving of the Holy Spirit, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We 21st century Christians are a little bit fuzzy, I think, when it comes to our understanding of the Holy Spirit. Our problem is due to the fact that we've never known a time in our existence when we were not surrounded by and bathed in the constant flow of the Holy Spirit in our lives. If you've always had something, it's very difficult to evaluate it unless somehow 
it is removed from your presence. And we're never removed from God's presence. Several Fridays ago, your parsonage that Penny and I live in fell apart. I don't know how else to describe what all happened down there all at one time. First, on Friday evening, I noticed that it was a bit warmer than it should have been. Something was wrong with the air conditioner. When I went downstairs to investigate, I noticed that water was dripping down from the ceiling of the basement. That's never a real good sign, you know. It was the overhead pipes going to the air conditioner that had frozen solid and were thawing out now and dripping down. But I also noticed there were gallons and gallons of water all over the basement floor. And then when I went to investigate that, I found out that not only did we have an iced-up, broken air conditioner, but we had a 32-year-old broken hot water heater. That water heater was placed in the parsonage by George Strait, and you just can't, you just can't find things like that anymore, George. 32 years, <clears throat> but it uh, it bought the farm, as we say. So not only had my air conditioner kicked the bucket, but the hot water heater was leaking. Uh, I tried to go outside for a minute to get a breath of fresh air and maybe to find Marnie Hannon, and I found out that the garage door had broken. I couldn't get the garage door to go back down after I went outside. Well, now, when you're used to hot water for showers and cool air for comfort and a garage door that will go up and down at your command and these things are suddenly taken away from you, you do realize the absence. Fortunately for us, the Holy Spirit is never taken away from us. But the downside of that is that means we're never really aware of just how much God does for us constantly, every day, by means of the Holy Spirit. Actually, air conditioning is a pretty good allegory for the Holy Spirit because the same word that could be translated as spirit also could be translated as wind. When Jesus was te teaching Nicodemus about what it meant to be born of the Spirit, he referred to the Spirit as the wind. You know, we hardly notice the wind unless it's absolutely still on a hot day or unless it's gusting right by us in a stormy day. The wind, though, refreshes us on hot days. It propels sailboats in a particular direction. God's Spirit brings us refreshing and renewal every day. And the Spirit propels us in God's direction in ways we may not even be aware of. The Holy Spirit energizes our faith, enabling us to live the Christian life. As the popular song said it, he is the wind beneath our wings. It's an interesting thing to me that Jesus stated that the Holy Spirit would impart understanding to us. Specifically, the Spirit would help us somehow understand the, the idea of the Trinity, that God and Jesus and the Spirit are one. They are in one another, and they are one. Three persons, one Godhead. On that day, Jesus said, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. The Spirit would also teach us and remind us the words of Jesus and the teachings of Christ. Now, when it comes to understanding a lot of things about life, for instance, how computers might work, 
I am really on my own. But when it comes to understanding God and learning the ways of Jesus, we have a counselor who is always there to help us and to cause us to remember the closeness of Christ. A few years ago when I was in a church in Rock Hill, I was called to the bedside of a saintly lady who was in a coma and not expected to live much longer. She had been asleep for days. She had not said a word to anyone for days. But they had a radio playing in her room, and on the radio we heard a, a choir start singing Amazing Grace. From somewhere deep inside that coma, that dear lady started singing word for word every word of the song. And when the song ended, she quit singing and resumed her comatose state. The Spirit of God calls us, causes us to remember things, even at times when we may not be conscious of anything else going on around us. But that lady had stored away that hymn many years ago and when she heard it, the Spirit brought it back to memory. John Wesley taught that the Holy Spirit had three main tasks to accomplish in our lives, inviting us, assuring us, and sanctifying us. The task of inviting means that the Holy Spirit is that drawing agent which brings us into God's presence to accept Christ as our Savior to make us become interested in spiritual matters. In his notes on John 14, Wesley said that the Spirit's main task is to reveal to us the truth concerning Christ and to help us receive Christ as Lord. The Spirit is therefore somewhat of the midwife to help us in our time of new birth. Jesus taught that the Spirit would testify about him and convince people of sin and therefore their need for salvation. So the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ, helping us to see our need. So if you have come to that place in your life where you have come to love Christ and embraced him as your Lord and Savior, be assured that you have been under the influence and the drawing power of the Holy Spirit. John Wesley came up with an interesting term. He made it up, called it prevenient grace to answer one of the questions that were left over from the Reformation. The question was, if you and I are indeed totally sinful people that have turned our backs on God and are walking away from God, where do we find the power to turn back and hear God when he says, come home? Wesley said the reason is that when we're born, God gives every one of us a present, provenient grace, meaning grace that, become, that comes before anything else. And it is that grace that enables us to even hear the voice of God. Uh, it is what Wesley said was our conscience. Why is it we all have a sense of moral right and wrong? That is provenient grace, he said. We can hear God's voice and turn to God because he's given us that ability. That's the first task of the Spirit. The second work of the Spirit is to assure us that we belong to God and let us know that we are Christians. It's one thing to know all the facts in your head. It's quite another thing to feel something in your heart. 
John Wesley, in his head, always knew about Christ. He knew about Christianity. He knew that Jesus was the Savior. He had even become an ordained minister. But Wesley knew he was missing something in his heart, and that was the assurance that, that uh, Christ's death was for him also. In January of 1738, John Wesley wrote in his journal, the faith that I want is the sure trust and confidence in God that through the merits of Christ, my sins are forgiven. I want that kind of faith which no one can have without knowing that you have it. Wesley needed the Spirit to bear witness with his spirit that he was a child of God. He found that four months later, attending a Bible study, and he wrote in his journal, I felt my heart strangely warmed. I felt that I did trust in Christ, Christ alone for salvation, and an assurance was given me that he had taken away my sins, even mine, and saved me from the law of sin and death. Whenever you and I receive the assurance that God loves us, and that we are his child, you can rest assured that you have been experiencing the Spirit at work. And then Wesley talked about a third work, which was sanctification. He called it perfection, which I think is an unfortunate choice of words, because if it's perfection, I'll never get there. Maturity would have been a better word, Christian maturity. That sounds like something we can all work toward. Martin Luther's emphasis was justification by faith. Justification means that the judge has pardoned you. But Wesley wanted more than that. He didn't just want pardon, he wanted rehabilitation. He didn't just want to be forgiven, he wanted to overcome his bad habits and become Christ-like in every aspect of his life. He said he was striving for purity in his heart because the pure shall see God. This rehabilitation is what we mean when we talk about sanctification. The Spirit's work is to invite, to assure, and then to sanctify us, empowering us to be Christ-like. Someone has said that Christianity isn't an impossibility, or rather it is an impossibility. It's not hard, it's impossible. Loving all people always, forgiving everybody, turning the other cheek always, blessing those that persecute us, refraining from evil always. Is that possible for us all the time? What is impossible for us, though, is possible for God. He plants the Holy Spirit in our heart, giving us the harvest of the fruit of the Spirit, where we become love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. If you imagine yourself as a field that has become overgrown with weeds, that's how a person is without Christ. When that field is cleared, that's salvation. When that field is planted with good seeds, which in time produce good crops that bless many people, that's sanctification. Wesley wanted us to be more than just a cleared field. He wanted to see some fruit growing up out of our fields. 
If you ever see Christ-like virtues, virtues growing within yourself or someone else, and it's easier to see in others, then you are seeing the work of God's Spirit in your midst. Well, perhaps there are those of you here today who are feeling the invitation of the Holy Spirit to follow Jesus and become a follower of Christ. If so, I invite you to say yes today. You won't be disappointed. Perhaps others of you are in need of the assurance that God loves you. You need the witness of God's Spirit in your heart today, warming your heart, reminding you that you are a child of God. May you receive that today. Perhaps others need to ask the Spirit to sanctify you, to plant seeds of Christ-like virtues in your life. Each of us can grow in the Spirit, giving more of ourselves to Him, dying a little bit more to ourselves today so that we can be more fully God's. Like another popular song says it, a little more of Jesus and a little less of me. The Spirit is here today, inviting, assuring, sanctifying. May you receive him in your lives today. Amen. Amen.